Well, 2022 is officially behind us, and we're officially in 2023. Got a chance to hang out with some pretty amazing people last night to kind of celebrate. We played some board games in the fellowship hall. Um, We played some mini golf. Um, Pastor Dan and I set that up, and it was a blast. I think the people really enjoyed it. So if you didn't get a chance to play, you got to wait till another year in order for it to happen. So practice your putting because I think Ben, I think he had the lowest score, so you got to chase after him. Before we kind of dive into the new year, before we jump into 2023, let's kind of reflect just a little bit over the highlights of 2022. So if you didn't know, Will Smith won Oscar for Best Smell Actor this year. The Los Angeles Rams won the Super Bowl. If you're a fan of them, go, go you. <laughs> top Gun Maverick was the top grossing movie this year. I heard good things about that. Still haven't seen it yet, but heard really good things about it. Elden Ring won Game of the Year for my gaming nerds out there. I'm looking at you, Aaron, Tim, Austin, Nick, myself. Um, Argentina won the World Cup. That was a thrilling game. It was a good one to watch. Daniel or uh, John Baptiste won Album of the Year with his We Are album. And I think the greatest highlight of them all, an amazing, young, beautiful couple was brought on here to minister at MCN. It's crazy. It's crazy to believe that we haven't been here quite a year yet, but you made us feel like family, and it feels like we've always been here. So thank you for loving on us, and thank you for allowing us to minister to you and your family. We have some good highlights from this past year, but we kind of had some not-so-good moments as well. We we mourn the passing of Queen Elizabeth II, who seemed like she's been around for decades, Because she had, right? She's the longest running monarch in the British history. And she passed this year. Dan prayed about it. Russia invading Ukraine and the devastation that that brought, not just to their country, but to the surrounding countries in the world around. The different variant of COVID came came about in Omicron. And it's another thing we had to worry about with all the sickness that was spreading. Droughts were happening all around the world. And I'm sure that we can spend all day kind of listing the highs and lows, the good and the bad moments from this past year. But the good thing is 2020 is now in the past. We no longer have to dwell from them. We can learn from them and move forward into 2023. And you know what that means, right? With a new year brings what? New resolutions to make. Who makes New Year's resolutions? Raise your hand. Anybody? New Year's resolutions? Okay. So a resolution is a firm decision to do or not to do something, right? And so can you guess some of the top resolutions that people make each year? To lose weight, weight, right? To eat healthy, to, to exercise more. The top three common Resolutions all revolve around being healthier. They make that the top priority on their list for the upcoming year. And uh, what follows is another good thing of spending more time with friends and family, right? 
life gets busy, we work too much, and so we don't have enough time to spend with our loved ones. And so they make that the top priority of their, of their year to spend more time with the people that they care about. 24% make the top priority of spending less and saving more, right? Trying to be more financially secure, making smarter decisions with their money in order to save. The next is to spend less time on social media and reduce the stress on the job. And so people are looking to be less stressful on the job, and that may look like quitting that job. It may look like spending more time with friends and family. I think one I need to make is to spend less time on social media. It just doesn't seem to be good for us, and it can, it can distract us at times. And then to kind of round up the list, quit smoking is on there for 20% of people. That kind of fits into that health category. But these resolutions kind of give us a glimpse into what is important for people in the coming year. It kind of shows what they hope to achieve over the next 365 days. It's a commitment to make their lives better in some aspect. And I think these resolutions are good resolutions to make, but I feel that there is a better one that we can make. All of these ideas are great priorities to have and to establish at the beginning of the year, but I think the best one that we can make is putting Jesus first in our life. Why? Because he puts us first in his life. He cares for all of us and he loves all of us, and so he puts us first in his life. And he shows us that he has a plan for us and a plan to prosper us. And we can live into that plan by putting Jesus first in our life. And you may be thinking, Pastor, I've already made that decision to put Jesus number one in my life. But maybe if we kind of think back over the past year, we might be able to see that things may have kind of crept into that number one spot, right? Life got busy, situations happened, circumstances arose, and th these things just kind of took our focus away from what was truly important. Maybe, even, maybe it even happened without us knowing it happened. We get so focused on life, get so focused on the ups and downs, that our priorities kind of get out of whack. These things happen, and we need to intentionally refocus ourselves to get back on track. This is true for God's people, right? Israel went through tough times, and it was hard for them to stay focused and live into that covenant that they made with God. It took God speaking through the prophets in order for people to get back and to get right with him. And sometimes that didn't even work. Right? God even used kings in order to try and to remind people that they need to reprioritize, recommit to making God first in their life. But in the case we're going to look at today, it was a too little, too late kind of thing. So this comes from 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 1 to 3. And it says, Then the king, King Josiah, called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. 
He went up to the temple of the Lord with the people of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. He read, in, he, he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commands, his statutes and decrees with all of his heart and all of his soul, thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book. Then all people pledged themselves to the covenant. And so to kind of give context to where we're at in Israel's history, in the books of First and Second King, the Israelites are living in a dark period of time. And even to jump back to the book before that in Samuel, they wanted to be like other nations around them. They're like, Samuel, we want a king. Give us a king. And so Samuel's like, guys, I don't think this is a good idea. Kings are, have ulterior motives. They have selfish ambitions. They have selfish desires. So I don't think this is going to be very beneficial. Plus, God is our king. But they wanted a visible king. They wanted an earthly king. Someone to show the other nations, not just an invisible one. So they kind of made up their mind. They abandoned God and the covenant they made in order to have an earthly king. And so we see in First and Second Kings that the kings were not living or living up to the standard that God had laid out for them. King after king, they all continued to focus on their own motives and their own selfish desires. They were greedy power-hungry, and allowed the worship of other gods in the temple. Samuel didn't say, I told you so, but in a sense, he's like, I warned you about this. But they still did not listen. And it got so bad that the kingdom eventually split into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom, which was Israel, and the southern kingdom, Judah. And the author of First and Second King kind of rates all these kings throughout Israel's history by this list of criteria. Did they worship God alone or did they promote other gods? Did they deal with idolatry among their people? And did they remain faithful to the covenant like David or did they become corrupt and unjust? And the author found that out of the 20 kings in the northern kingdom of Israel, there were no good kings, zero. And out of the 20 kings in the southern kingdom, Judah, only eight got positive ratings. And so if we do a little math, that's not a great average to have in terms of leading God's people. So God decided to send prophets to bring the message in hopes that they can bring his people back to him. The prophets reminded the people of the covenant promise that they had made with God and to tell them to get rid of all the false idols, all the false gods that they had made and that they were worshiping. But unfortunately, the people of Israel did not listen. They didn't repent, and they didn't turn back. And we see that God passes his judgment by allowing foreign enemies to come and destroy and to take over their land, resulting in the northern kingdom getting destroyed and overtaking by foreign nation Assyria. But in spite of all the bad kings that we see in Israel's history, despite all the, the reckless sin that they are getting themselves into, there was still a bright spot in the southern kingdom of Judah. 
Kings like Hezekiah and Josiah are one bright spot. King Hezekiah was a king that had faith and trusted in God when Assyria was coming knocking at Jerusalem's door. He trusted God and God provided and protected. But it's King Josiah who brought about this refocusing, this recommitment to God's people. And he's what I want to talk to you just a little bit about today. And so if we jump back to chapter 22, we find that Josiah is in his 18th reign, 18th year of his reign, and he found the book of the law in the temple. They were doing a little bit of renovation. They were fixing up the temple, and his secretary found this document in the temple. And so he brings it back. It turns out to be the covenant of the law, or we think about the book of Deuteronomy, some scholars say, and he had the secretary read it. And as the secretary was reading this document to him, it says that Josiah was distressed by hearing the contents of this document. He was so distressed that he tore his robe in sorrow. And this had me thinking, um, how did the Holy Spirit work back in the Old Testament? Like we know kind of his roles that he plays in our life when we receive the Holy Spirit, right? We know one way that he does is convict. So if we know that we are not doing what we're supposed to, if we're not being obedient to God's commands, then he kind of convicts us and hoping that we can get us back on track and get us back in right relationship. And it seems like this is what's happening to King Josiah when he reads the book of a covenant of the law, that he is being convicted, so much so that he tears his robes in remorse and in sorrow. And one scholar suggests that Josiah recognized the contents not merely as information, not just historical information about the past, but as a prophetic word for the present moment. God spoke to his people through prophets and through prophecies about what he was calling them to do. And so here, in essence, God is talking directly to Josiah. He's saying, you're not holding up your end of the covenant. Your people have lost their way. And unfortunately, we see that it's kind of too little, too late for the Israelites. The people have kind of dug their graves a little too deep, and they kind of reached a point of no return. King Josiah recognized that Israel kind of got off track just a little bit. He was trying to help them refocus and kind of reprioritize what is important. He decided to bring total reform to the southern kingdom. He renewed this covenant relationship with God, and his people did the same in pledging that commitment. He brought them back to the Shema, right? The greatest commandment that we read back in the Old Testament, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And as I was preparing, it kind of made me think that we are sometimes like the Israelites, right? The Israelites, they wanted a king because that's what everybody else had. That's what everybody else was doing. And we kind of do the same with some of the things that we want 
and maybe even some of the resolutions that we make each year. We focus on what the world is saying is important for us to focus on. Focus on being healthier, right? Look this way, try this diet, this will work for you. Be healthier. Save money. Save money so you don't have to worry about too many problems. It's okay if you maybe don't see your family too much or don't have free time for yourself. Just keep working and keep saving money. Keep earning money. Spend time with your family. And again, we think, Pastor, like, those don't seem like bad things to be focusing on. And I agree with you. Those are not bad things to have in your life and to prioritize in your life. But I think we can get into a problem if we're focusing more on those things than our relationship with Jesus. Because we're not living into that covenant relationship that we made with him. When Josiah heard the book of the law, it brought him so much distress because he knew he wasn't living into that relationship, that covenant that he made with God, nor did his people. And so we need to reflect on our own life and reflect over this past year to see if we have allowed other things, though good, to kind of creep into that number one priority of our life. Maybe we need to do what Josiah did and repent and to renew this commitment to God at the start of 2023 in order to start this year off right. But we can't just say that we're going to make Jesus number one in our life. It can't just be talk. We have to put action to that talk. We have to put deeds to that faith that we have. And so when we make resolutions or when people make resolutions, what usually tends to happen throughout the year? Usually give up on those resolutions or they kind of get pushed to the back burner or they just get completely forgotten about. So statistics say that 75% of people make it through the first week without breaking their resolution. It's a good number. 71% make it through the second week and by the time we get to the month, 63% of people have still kept their resolution. And if we jump six months to the halfway point of the year, 46% of people are continuing to follow the resolutions they set. Over half have already given up and stopped this important thing that they thought that they should implement into their life. And I think this happens because we kind of set ourselves up to fail. We come up with these unrealistic resolutions that we could never really follow through on. Or we kind of take on too many and we get ourselves overwhelmed by how many we have to deal with. Maybe we make our resolutions too vague and we can't really track the progress that we're making throughout the year. We need to set ourselves up for success. We need to put steps and plans into place so that we can achieve what we set out to achieve. Josiah did exactly that for him and his people. They just didn't say, God, you are first in my life when they renewed the covenant. 
They did more. Josiah implemented steps in order for them to not fall back into old ways, into old habits. Josiah ordered priests to remove and destroy foreign idols and gods in the Lord's temple, to get rid of Baal and Asherah, and to take, out, take them out and to burn them. Josiah got rid of priests and mediums and spiritists from high places of worship. He took steps to set them up for success. He brought them back to the old practices and celebrating the Passover festival. He laid out a plan for them and his people, and they executed it. Unfortunately, as we mentioned before, it's too little, too late for them, for the people of Israel, but it's not too late for us. So if we're going to make Jesus number one in our life, if we're going to put him first in 2033, then we have to come up with steps in order to make this happen. And so some of the steps that we can take is to spend time with our Heavenly Father. This comes in many different forms and many different ways. We know that people or things that are important to us, we give the most time. And so if we're really going to put him first, then we need to kind of shift our focus more to God because we'll do better at acknowledging him through our everyday moments. The way that we spend time with our Heavenly Father is to pray daily. God wants to hear from us. God wants to hear how your life is going and the things that are going on. And one way to do that is through prayer. Maybe we set up time in the beginning as we wake up of the day to spend with him and to prepare ourselves for what the day will bring. Maybe we set up a time at night before we go to bed and to thank him for everything that's happened through that day. Maybe we keep a prayer journal and to be able to journal through our day and to be able to write down our requests and so we can maybe flip back at the end of the year and see how he's answered our prayers and how he is with us. Maybe it's praying the scriptures. Psalms are full of them that we can memorize and pray to him. This helps us bring us closer to God and he can tell us what he's calling us to and what he's leading us to. Another way is daily scripture reading. Like the Bible tells us who God is and what he's all about. It tells us how much he loves us and how much he cares for us and what is best for us. It tells us how to live a life that is holy and pleasing in his sight. And it is shown through the example of his one and only son who he sent to die on the cross for us. We know this by spending time in his word and allowing it to transform us and to shape us into the person that he's calling us to be. And we can put Jesus first in our life by loving him with all, all of our being, with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. We love him by keeping his commands and being obedient to his word. We show that we love him by loving his creation. We love people by caring and serving them. These are ways that we can show that Jesus is first in our life. So each year, 
we make resolutions because we realize that we want to change something about our life. Many resolutions that we have made or we have made over the years aren't bad resolutions to make. It's important to focus on our health. It's important to make sure that we're being responsible for the body that God has given us. It's important to spend time with friends and family and the people that we care about and to build those relationships. We should eliminate distractions from our life, the bad habits that are not beneficial. These are all great priorities to have, but I feel like there's one that kind of tops them all, and that is placing God first and foremost in our life. I've heard it said many times that when we put God first in our life, everything else just seems to fall into place. That doesn't mean that life will be a bed of roses, but it does mean that God will be there to help us bring order out of the chaos that happens in the world. And so as I call Aaron to kind of lead us through our closing song, Jesus Be the Center, maybe you haven't made that firm decision just quite yet to make Jesus first in your life. Maybe you've allowed these other, though good, priorities to kind of take the number one spot in your life. Maybe it's a time for us to kind of refocus, reshift, and commit to making Jesus number one in your life. Or maybe you've already made that decision to have Jesus first and foremost in your life, and then life just got busy. Things seem to kind of move so quickly and get so chaotic that we're just trying to keep our head above water and things just kind of slip into that most pressing priority. So maybe we need to take the time to kind of just refocus and recommit ourselves, our life to the Lord and to place him at the top of our priority list this year, to live into that covenant relationship that we made. So as we sing this song, I pray that we can just take some time to reflect back over this past year, the good, the bad, and kind of take inventory on where God, where your relationship with Christ kind of fell. Was it at the top? What are the ways you're keeping it that way? And things kind of got reshuffled. How can we take the plans, implement these ways in order to put him back on top and to really live into this covenant that we made with him? So as we're seeing Jesus be the center, may that be the resolution, the promise that we make to start this year and to go forward into 2023. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. Thank you for this day. Thank you for bringing us to another year. Though we may have bumps and bruises, Lord, we're just so thankful you have brought us through. Father, I pray, Lord, as we begin this new year, Lord, that we can make an intentional, firm decision to place you 
at number one in our life, Lord. Times get tough. Life gets stormy and shaky, but you always stay rock solid. And so I pray that we can believe all the things that we have trusted and heard from your word, that you'll be with us and that you'll provide for us, and that we can live in to this covenant that we have made with you and to put you first and foremost in our life. Now we can be able to watch and see how everything else just kind of falls into place. So I pray, Lord, that we can commit or recommit to making you our first priority, Lord, in everything that we do. And just watch how you use us to do great things for your kingdom. We ask this in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. Thank you.
this benediction as we go out in the start of 2021. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace in 2023. You're dismissed. <laughs>